0: Section Twenty Three of *The Golden Web* by E. Phillips Oppenheim. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Book Two, Chapter Two: A Lapse of Memory. Dean sat at his desk, immersed once more in the affairs of his great business. His cheeks were bronzed with the sun and heather-scented wind. His eyes were clear and bright. All traces of the unsettlement of those few nervous weeks seemed to have passed away one thing only occasionally disturbed him-the non-appearance of winifred rowan since those few seconds of tremulous excitement when they had stood face to face in the darkened room of the hotel he had neither seen nor heard from her he could understand her having left the hotel hurriedly he could have understood her keeping away for a day or two but a whole month had passed and she had taken no steps whatever to communicate with him. He had left exact instructions as to what was to be done should she come to the office while he was in Scotland. He had had the whole of his private letters forwarded it. Least by chance a word from her should fail to reach him. There was something a little ominous in this absolute silence, something which troubled him occasionally, which set him thinking, wondering, whether under that still quiet demeanour there might be qualities of which she had taken no account whether indeed she too were not a schemer who meant to make the most of this opportunity which chance had thrown in her way a clerk entered and stood at his side a young lady is here to see you sir he announced miss rowan miss rowan deane repeated mechanically yes sir the clerk answered we have instructions outside to let you know if she called at any time Dean leaned back in his chair with a few quick words he dismissed his secretary from the immediate business in hand you may show miss rowan in he said a moment or two later she entered deane watched her with a new curiosity as he rose to his feet she was as quietly dressed as usual as pale and her eyes except for one upward glance seemed always to be seeking the carpet there was something curiously negative about her appearance, something, it seemed to him, almost willfully so. The rich brown hair, which had flashed almost a golden in the morning sunlight at Rackney, was drawn up and concealed, as though the owner's sole object was that it might escape attention. Her clothes were not unbecoming, but they were the quietest of their sort. Her eyes, which should have been beautiful, were so perpetually veiled and hidden, that their quality was lost both physically and in her reticent speech she appeared to him more than ever that morning as a woman whose desire seemed to be to creep through life unnoticed at last he remarked holding out his hand pleasantly i have been expecting to see you for some time miss rowan you have been expecting to see me she repeated raising her eyes to his how strange why strange he answered glancing around the room And lowering his voice a little, don't you remember at our last meeting you promised to bring me my tea a few hours later? Since then, I have not even seen you, nor have you sent me a line. She raised her eyes again and looked at him. They were very beautiful eyes, but he did not understand that somewhat blank expression which shone out of them. I do not understand you, she said quietly. Dean would have been irritated but something in her manner struck him as so strange that his feeling turned to one of bewilderment. Come, he said. You are not going to suggest that I have been dreaming or that you have had one of those fashionable lapses of memory. You remember meeting me in that room in the Universal Hotel? Without change of countenance or expression, she answered, I have never been in the Universal Hotel in my life. Dean looked at her, his lips a little parted and as he looked his feeling of bewilderment grew my dear young lady he protested do you mean to tell me you have been mistaking me for some one else i think she said calmly there are so many people about who are like me we will not talk of this just now if you do not mind i have come to you from my brother well said Dean. my brother is free she went on he was released at nine o'clock this morning the doctor at the prison signed their certificate that he has only a month or so to live he is free on the understanding that he goes away to some place quiet he came to see me an hour ago it is at his wish that i am here go on Dean. rapped out he wishes to see you she said that is all he does not think that there is any risk about it under the circumstances we are staying for the night at the grand hotel Tomorrow. We shall go down to Devonshire or Cornwall. He will be glad if you will come and see him as soon as possible. I will come, Dean said, but first, Miss Rowan, I must have an understanding with you. An understanding with me, she repeated slowly. Naturally, he answered. I want to know, first of all, whether you are my friend or my enemy, whether, in short, you mean to play the blackmailer, or whether you mean to return to me that document which you abstracted from amongst sinclair's effects she drew a little sigh i am quite sure now mr deane she said that you are mistaking me for someone else i do not know what you are talking about deane was silent for several moments he was feeling nervous and disturbed there was something uncanny about this quiet persistent denial the still face the steadfast beautiful eyes which seemed yet like unlit fires devoid of sympathy or apprehension. "'I scarcely know,' Dean said, "'how we are to continue this discussion. "'For some reason or other "'you are sitting there within a few feet of me "'and denying something which we both know to be the truth. "'You have a motive, I suppose, "'but whatever that motive may be, "'you cannot imperil it by speaking openly here. "'We are absolutely alone. "'There is not a soul within hearing.' you and i both know miss rowan that you hold that paper to obtain which your brother risked his life and met with such misfortune it would be his wish i know that you should give it to me the terms i offered him for its recovery were surely liberal if you think otherwise tell me your price we are alone you are not giving yourself away tell me your price i have no price mr dean she said because i have no paper i am not a thief nor have i stolen anything from anybody all that you say is strange to me my brother is waiting and he is very ill will you come with me now or will you follow as soon as you can dean leaned back in his chair and laughed it was not altogether a natural laugh but it was the only relief he could find from his overwrought feelings what sort of a game you and i are going to play miss rowan i cannot imagine he said i have made the first and the obvious move and you have declared your opening we must let it go at that i suppose when you are disposed to talk common sense i and my checkbook will be glad to listen to you in the meantime let me beg of you one thing that is to keep that paper in some safe place she rose to her feet with a little sigh you are mistaking me for someone else mr dean she said He crossed the room and fetched his hat and gloves from a cupboard. He glanced into a looking-glass for a moment to straighten his tie, and met the girl's eyes fixed upon him. He stood quite still, watching. She was looking at him, at his back, as he stood there. There was expression in her face at last, an expression which puzzled him, which he failed altogether to understand. He stood quite still, with his finger still upon the sailor knot of his tie. As though she realized the possibilities of the mirror, she suddenly turned around. When he came towards her, the mask—if it was a mask—was there once more. "If you will come with me," said he, "I shall be glad to go and see your brother." They passed through the offices side by side. Many curious eyes followed them. Dean paused at one or two of the desks to leave a few parting instructions. Then he handed this girl into the electric brougham which was waiting at the door. "'The Grand Hotel,' he told the man. He got in and seated himself by her side. "'Miss Rowan,' he said, "'you are beginning to interest me exceedingly.' "'I am sure that you cannot be in earnest,' she answered, without turning her head. "'I am a most uninteresting person, living a most uninteresting life.' "'I think you said that you were a typist,' he remarked. "'I am,' she answered i am employed by messrs rubicon and Moore in st mary's passage i have been there for three years with occasional holidays he remarked with a smile she shook her head the only holiday i have taken she answered was when i came to see you he deliberately leaned forward to look into her face the memory of that moment when he had held her in his arms the breaking of the storm the thrill the wonderful unanalyzed excitement which seemed to play about them like the lightning which was soon to flash across the sea and land came back to him he looked deliberately into her face still as the grave at the large eyes which were listlessly fixed upon the streaming people you are the most amazing person he said softly perhaps perhaps as you were never at the hotel universal you were never in ranky perhaps it was not you who came to me with a storm who tapped at my window who stood there like the daughter of the storm itself who it was i who came to rankney she said you know that very well mr deane neither have i forgotten it but i think that you should not remind me just now of that of course she was right but deane felt a little unhinged her invulnerable ability was maddening perhaps not he answered perhaps i have no right to remind you of that night of the time when you crept in from the storm crept into my arms she turned her head slightly away as though interested in the passing throng no flush of color tinged her cheeks her straight firm lips never trembled he tried to take her hand small it was and encased in old neatly mended gloves she drew it quietly but firmly away she remained silent perhaps i have no right he continued to remind you of these things but neither have you the right to deny our last meeting You are playing some sort of a game with me, he continued, a little roughly, and your methods, whatever they may be, include a lie. Therefore, I myself take license. If you have quite finished, Mr. Dean, she said, I should be glad. My visit to you, and all the circumstances connected with it, is one of the things which I wish to forget. To relegate to the same place in your memory, he remarked, as your brief essay, into the role of a chambermaid she leaned out of the window here we are she remarked i am anxious about my brother please hurry end of section twenty three